Hello, everybody. Welcome as we continue on in our study uh, through the Old Testament now. We're in Genesis chapter 16. We're working through the Old Testament uh, chapter at a time, and so we're, we're making great progress as we move along in that. And um, I think it's, uh, it's a, you know, important that we look at the Scripture in context. That's why going through it like this is very helpful. Helps us tie everything together. We did the New Testament first. That took us five years, and now we're, we're uh, 16 weeks into a 15-year run on the Old Testament. We're going to make it. Unless, like I said, unless Jesus comes back or something else happens, I don't know. But we're good to go. And then, I'm just doing some planning. When we're done with the Old Testament, we'll start in the New Testament again. <laughs> in case you missed any in that first five-year run. So, um, Genesis, again, fascinating book. Um, you know, we, in the first uh, 11 chapters or so, there's, there's sort of main events that take place that we studied. And now, as we move from uh, chapter 12 through the rest, we're going to look at, at the sort of the lives, lives of lots of people, but four in particular, um, the patriarchs. Um, it's, um, you know, Abram, Abram, who becomes Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. And um, that will cover us through the book of Genesis, um, 50 chapters. And, uh, you know, in the, and we looked at, in the beginning, we looked at creation, we looked at the fall, uh, we looked at the flood, and we looked at the Tower of Babel. So the, kind of those four significant happenings are the first, you know, 11 chapters. And then chapter 12 onward is basically the lives of these four guys and lots of other people. But that's who we follow through the text. Um, and remember, you know, throughout now we're looking, always looking at the crimson thread of redemption. From Genesis 3.15 on, when it talks about, you know, that's the beginning of um, the verses that, that end up ultimately with Jesus and, and um, him shedding his blood so that we can be redeemed and be restored to God. And throughout the entire Old Testament, you're going to see that run. If you're looking for it, you'll see it happen. How God protects that whole process and how often the enemy attacks it. And um, when you see that happening, it kind of begins to hold the whole thing together for you, which I think is very important um, because it, it, it's amazing the context of the scripture when you look at it like this, that it's not just randomly, you know, sort of thrown together. There's a, there's a thread happening throughout it and it ties it all together. And so knowing, you know, the main events and the main sort of um, people, it's very helpful in understanding um, on this side of Jesus, what happened and how it happened and why it happened. And so it sort of begins to tie it all together. And that's, that's my hope that whenever you spend time looking at the Bible and sort of coming at it this way, that, that you begin to see things that perhaps you never really encountered before because you, you weren't holding it in, in the tension of the rest of the book. And, um, and so we, we've been doing that together, and I think it's very helpful in the way that we understand it. Now, um, we're looking primarily at the life of Abram, uh, also Abraham, same, he's, God will change his name and add the ha to it here in a little while. But uh, he's Abraham, Abram in the beginning, and uh, the ha comes in later. Um, so at this point, we're in Genesis chapter 16 uh, today, I think. Yeah. And um, uh, at this point, um, Abram's 85 years old. And he's been walking now with the Lord for 10 years. 
So remember, his journey didn't start until he was 75, this, you know, as far as God calling him and setting him straight and his response in faith. And um, so there you go. So sometimes people think they get in on this journey a little late, but Abram didn't start until he was 75. And uh, things didn't start cooking for some time after that. So he's only 85 right now, and, and uh, um, he's going to sort of veer off track here for a little while. He comes back strong, so it's okay. And I like that that's all recorded for us because uh, it would be very hard to follow this book if, if everybody that you read about did everything perfectly. Um, it would be very hard for me anyway because I fall way short of that and I would, I would get frustrated and give up because I couldn't do it. Um, but Abram, and you know what I love about Abraham? And you read him about him in, in Hebrews 11? Man, he's on top of it from... See, that's how God looks at us, right? Through Christ. That's why I always tell you guys that. He sees us in Christ. When, you, when you're reading about him in, in Hebrews 11, man, he is the guy who got it right all the time. And when you read about him on this side, looking back, you go, wow, he messed up a lot. And he does. And he, they mess up in this chapter. And yet, God loves him and sees him through. And uh, so he's already learned some pretty valuable lessons about faith in his walk. We've seen all that. We've seen he's been through a lot already. You know, he's had to go to Egypt, and he kind of messed up with Sarah there a little bit and gave her up. And then he's had to, um, you know, he's had some issues with Lot, and, um, you know, and then they had some, some battles he's had to go and fight. He's learned a lot already. In 10 years, it's been a pretty significant run, lots of traveling, lots of things going on. Um, but God had promised to Abraham and Sarah a child, and um, so he made them this promise but he hadn't told them when the child would be born and so they were in a period of waiting and um, uh, how about this I, I would say this is still true most people don't like to wait would you say that's true we don't we're not good waiters at all um, we don't like to wait and um, and yet uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 6 that it's through faith and patience that we inherit the promises of God. How about that? Faith and patience. But there's that word we don't really like. We, the promises we like, the wait is hard. And, and yet it's part of the journey. And God has this perfect timetable for everything that He wants to do. And um, this, this baby that God had promised to Abraham and Sarah wasn't just another baby. This was part of God's great plan. This was part of this thread of redemption that I've talked about, the plan of God's plan of salvation for the whole world. This was a significant event. And um, Sarah gets impatient in the waiting. And so uh, we're going to see what happens there. And then you think, well, why, why did God wait so long? Um, in this case, uh, you know, he wants Abraham and Sarah to be physically as good as dead is what it says in Hebrews 11 so that God alone gets the glory in this baby um, this, this is going to be there's no way this couple should be able to have a baby in any sort of natural way possible shouldn't be able to happen and God is waiting for that to be the absolute case so that's why there's this little wait and yet here at the age of 85 back then Abraham is still certainly virile enough to, to father a child with Haker as he's about to do so the time for this baby had not yet arrived and, uh, and so that's part of the issue that's taking place here and, um, and so you know in our own lives what we can start to gather from some of this is that we have to there has to be a willingness to wait on the Lord 
that's part of the faith walk that we have. Um, and um, whenever we see if this rings true with you, whenever we stop trusting in God, we, we sort of start making haste in the wrong direction and um, it messes everything up. I don't know if most of you can relate to that. I certainly can. Whenever we get tired of waiting, which means we, we sort of really stop trusting, we make haste in the wrong direction and that always causes us trouble. Um, and so we need to be willing to trust God and wait and stand on the promises of God's Word and um, that, that as we do those things we'll experience a peace um, that happens and uh, we can just kind of settle in and trust in the Lord that um, He's going to be, you know uh, he, He'll do what He says He's going to do so, you know, some evidences of true faith before we get into Genesis 6 that you're willing to wait that you're concerned only for the glory of God that you will obey God's word and that you experience a measure of, of God's joy and peace within you so, um, Abram and Sarah are waiting um, in this 10-year process, and uh, throughout that time, God's building character in them, and then something happens that um, just really sort of messes up a whole lot of things. And, and even though God will work it out, um, it has ongoing consequences because of their unwillingness to wait. So let's jump into Genesis 16. I'll read it to you. I'm going to use the NIV. Um, and it's what's in your notes, but if you have a different translation, that's fine. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarah said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarah, his wife, took her Egyptian maidservant Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarah said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarah mistreated Hagar so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert it was the spring that is beside the road to Shur, and he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, mistress Sarah, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous, numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, you are now with child and you will have a son. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her, You are God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'ir Lahai Ro'i. It is still there between Kadesh and Barrett. So Hagar bore Abram a son and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. And blessed be the name of the Lord. So, um, very interesting sort of process. Um, so what you see in the beginning is that, that um, Sarah gives Hagar to Abram as sort of a substitute wife, which was a fairly common practice at this time. You'll see it uh, throughout the Old Testament, um, it'll happen again, um, even with the, uh, the twelve. Um, the, some of them will be born to, um, 
to wives and some will be born to maidservants and uh, they'll still be part of that uh, 12 tribes um, in the process. Um, if, if a uh, wife um, couldn't conceive, she would often give her maidservant to her husband and the children that were born through the maidservant were considered hers. Um, and this, that was just the way they did it back then. Um, so, uh, and yet, at some point you could say, well, Abram was just acting in line with the custom of the day. Problem is, God had given him this promise, and really what, what should have happened, it's easier to look back from this side, but when Sarah came to Abram and said, okay, I'm not having kids, go ahead and take my maidservant and, and then, you know, make a baby with her, what Abram should have said is, no, let's wait on the Lord. That would have been the proper response. But what he said was like, all right. <laughs> if that's what you really want, honey, okay. <laughs> well, that's what he does. And it's not good. Uh, it's, it, 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 it's not a good situation. Um, and so... So Abram does that, and that's the beginning of multiple problems. So first you have Sarah taking you know, the situation into her own hands instead of waiting on God. And then you have Abram, who rather than listening to the promise and doing what he was supposed to do, he moves forward. This is a lot like the whole Adam and Eve fall thing, right? Same, same deal. Eve, you know, Adam was standing there with Eve. Eve is, you know, the enemy's talking to Eve, and Adam should have said, don't listen to him. We're not going to do that. And he doesn't. Uh, so here you have the whole situation happening again and um, people making bad choices and you know it's, it fascinates me too it's a, it's, it's all, bad choices are a lack of faith and whenever we make a bad choice it's a lack of faith it's, it really is we make them all the time but you think about it in that term maybe it'll slow you down a little bit because see what, the, what we have to learn is patience that's so hard to learn um, and we're going to make a lot of bad decisions along the way, so I'm not. Sometimes we'll jump in. God's able to work with it, but it's a it's a situation. And so, uh, and so you know, we, what happens is we we sort of try and make God's promises come true in our own strength, and that's just futile. So uh, so don't do it. And and yet they did. And uh, uh, you know, don't just try and avoid that temptation of making things work and then you know just learn to trust God so there's a see there's a there's a balance there too because then would we just sit back and don't do anything well no I always look at it this way I'm gonna I'm gonna go through doors that are open and I'm gonna I'm gonna see if a door will open but if I gotta bust it open somewhere along there's a balance is it is it I'm having to kick it open or is the enemy holding it back and I need to push through a little or something but see that's where we pray and we listen and we check and we seek after God and we, we try and in those processes uh, just really listen and and don't God will speak to you I'm faithful I think he's so faithful to do that he's in those times he gives us little signs and pictures and all sorts of stuff so um, God's plans are always better than ours and so you know then in verse 5 even though it was Sarah's idea um, she gets mad at Abram um, when it starts to go south because what happens is Hagar sort of is pregnant now and she's sort of holding it over uh, Sarah 
And Sarah doesn't care for that at all because she's, you know, she's, she is the matriarch here. And she's like, now, until she goes to Abram, what have you done? Basically, this is your problem. And Abram goes, it's not my problem, it's your problem. And uh, so sometimes when things get hard, we try and place blame somewhere else. You ever do that? Again, Adam and Eve thing. Remember when, when they messed up, God comes and said, what have you done? And Adam says, it was a woman you gave to me. And the woman goes, it was a snake. <laughs> you know, we have this proclivity to blame other people for our stuff and saying, oops. I mean, that, and we have to learn to go, yeah, I did that. That was my fault. I can't blame anybody else. But we hate that. We like to have somebody. It's, very, it's much better to blame somebody else for our stuff, right? It's not right, but it's just better. And so it's just usually easier to kind of strike out in frustration um, and blame somebody else than it is to admit that you were wrong and ask forgiveness. We hate, boy, that's really hard for a lot of us, saying that we were wrong and then saying, I'm sorry. I always tease about this. You know that, right? That you want to... It's always... The, the issue with most people when they do say they're sorry is they can't just say sorry. They have to go, well, yeah, I'm sorry. But... Right? And then anything that comes after the but means you're not sorry. But it's really hard to learn how to say sorry and just say sorry. Try it. Try it. So, oh, no, I say sorry all the time. And then... then but you, people will like always add but... Here's why it happened, and then we justify it. Well, then you're not sorry. Don't justify it. Just be sorry. Work on that. Everybody should be working on that, including me. But I'm, you know, I'm really a lot, a lot further along than a lot of you. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. So, um. Sarah's treating Hagar so bad, Hagar runs away. And uh, Hagar running away in verse 8. See, now, and that's another problem. So all these people are not doing well. Um, and so when the angel of the Lord gets to Hagar, he says, go back to Sarah and, and you know, deal with it. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of times, uh, I want to be careful how I say this. Um, a lot of times running away from a problem isn't the answer either we have to deal with problems we have to face problems but there are issues there are circumstances when for the safety's sake we may need to put some distance between us and a problem but that doesn't mean we're avoiding it so in this case what was happening is she's just taking off and not dealing with the situation and that's not good either so you know we have to deal with our problems we have to face up and, and uh, um you know, and in this case, accept God's promise for help and correct our attitudes and do the next right thing. So, you know, in this, in this uh, section of Genesis, you've got these three people making serious mistakes. Sarah takes matters into her own hands, gives her servant to Abram. Abram goes along with it, um, but when it starts to get a little out of hand, he just refuses to solve the problem, and Hagar runs away from the problem. And, and, and yet, fascinatingly, when they all start moving back in the right direction, God demonstrates his ability to work uh, in all things for good. And so we have to remember that he does that. God's faithful. Even when we mess up, I've said this to you a lot, God can take it and use it, and that's really important. Um, and, and so um, ultimately what will happen is that Sarah and Abram will receive the son that they want. And... Um, uh, God moves into the situation with Hagar and will protect her and, and watch over Ishmael and uh, 
he's got promises too, um, but, but his descendants cause a lot of problems um, throughout history. And uh, sometimes that will happen. God can use situations. So even if we get off track, um, God can use it, but sometimes it will, it will still cause a little bump on the road every now and again. But you have to trust in God. And they did. And, and uh, it ultimately worked out for everybody as they dealt with their issues and trusted in the Lord. And, and to me, that's, you know, the heart of Genesis 16. We've got we to gotta remember to be patient, to wait on the Lord, to trust in Him, to hang on to Him, always wanting to do the next right thing when we mess up knowing that God is still able to deal with it and, and will and that, um, that he loves us and cares for us and all those things are really important so I think that's enough for tonight we'll end it there you can shut down the video if you're watching my video thank you appreciate you doing that come and be a part whenever you can we will see you soon